I've been asked many times, what are your swing thoughts as you're swinging? Well, I try to flat load my feet so I can snap load my power pack. As long as my number two power accumulator doesn't break down, I can reach maximums, lag, and drag pressure through impact fix. You see, the pivot is the utilization of multiple centers. Golf is geometrically oriented linear force. And if you think of all this, hopefully you'll hit shots like this. Hello and welcome to episode five of Full Swing Thoughts. I am Brendan Porath. I am joined by Andy Johnson and Joseph Lamagna. Andy and I, of course, if you've listened to this by now, do I need to do this again? You know who we are, where we're from. Joseph, maybe. You probably do. If you've done the first four, you know now that you've gotten to five. What Joseph Lamagna. Did, what about the right Fitz fanatics my- <laughs> that just came in for this single the purple, The Purple Nation from Northwestern, <laughs> Evansville, just lining up. They Evanston. just skipped ahead. Evansville. Evanston, Evanston whatever. <laughs> it's late. We're recording this one late at night on the East Coast. So Evansville, Evanston, maybe the first of many misstatements. Joseph Lamagna, friend of the fried egg, contributor to the fried egg, bright young mind in golf, golf media. We're jumping into episode five of the Netflix docuseries Full Swing. This one is titled American Dreams. Sure, fine. Uh, I don't know that it connotes or foreshadows too much other than it's about the U.S. Open. The characters... Largely portrayed in this episode are Dustin Johnson and Matthew Fitzpatrick. The setting, I think it's only the U.S. Open, aside from their homes and going to Fitzy's home in in England, in Sheffield, going to Jupiter. I don't know what the point of going to Sheffield was. I thought thought it was fine. It was a little background. It was more of a background piece of like who his parents are, what he was as a kid. Uh, You didn't like the bin of yardage books that they got out in the stats? I did like that. I, I mean, like that's that. just good color if you're going from one spot to the next. But those are the large, uh, the, the main characters in the main settings for episode five, American Dreams. Initial early overarching thoughts about this. I, I think I thought it was really pretty. I, I This is a very, you know, vacuous point, but I thought this one was really pretty and shot really well. I don't know why it popped. And I said this about episode one. This just looks different. Like the scenes on Metalist. Like where he's like, you know, they're zooming like the 360 around fits. I thought it, it just like looked really cool. Um, I thought it was two really strong, authentic portrayals, authentic portrayals of both the people and players in this. I, I, I felt like I'm not sure I learned a lot new about Matt Fitzpatrick, but I felt like I, I, I got a very genuine look into who he is and how he is. I thought I, I thought I learned a little bit bit more about how dustin johnson is um outside of the i I think we we understand he's a man of many few words and just sort of equanimity at all times um i felt like i learned more about dj and certainly why he went to live than i did fits and that doesn't mean i didn't get much from the fits coverage because i thought it was great i just found this to be two strong authentic portrayals uh, of, of these characters do you guys agree? What are some of your overarching thoughts? Joseph, I'll let you go first. I agree with you. Matt Fitzpatrick and Dustin Johnson are two of the players I think of as being some of the most authentic players in yeah. golf. So that wasn't shocking to me. I guess my main takeaway, I tend to be attracted to the misfits. And I think calling Matt Fitzpatrick a misfit may not be entirely appropriate, but doesn't have the physique of... Dustin Johnson or some other top players in the world, which was hammered home a million times in the episode. Uh, He just works hard. I like going back to the USAM small in stature. (laughs) 
Like yeah, the I mean, little, they made sure to, to talk about that. But I, I do think Matt Fitzpatrick's the perfect example of somebody who just puts his head down and works his tail off. That shown through in the docuseries, I think. Um, the one anecdote I would give is that when I had worked at a golf data company four or five years ago, it was 2018, Matt Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick was ranked 40th in the world. And everything I heard from people I was working with who knew him closely, it's like he wants to be number one in the world and he will do whatever it takes to get there. And I think that was evident in the docu-series. So I, I thought it was refreshing, a refreshing portrayal, pretty accurate to who Matt Fitzpatrick is as one of the hardest workers on the tour. Really cool to see him win the U.S. Open and realize his American dream, as it was called. <laughs> Andy, some overarching thoughts? Yeah, I, I think this this show has thrived. Um, the episodes that have really thrived, like the ones that we really like, seem to, you know, a couple of them have had this juxtaposition. And this is the one, this is one that had a great one, right? You had two great players that are wildly, wildly different with their approach and with their stature. Everything about these two players couldn't be more opposite outside the fact that they're very good at golf and authentic, right? Those are two things that are similar about them, but everything else was different. And that's what I found really fascinating. You had DJ talking about like, oh, I guess I think I can win even when I'm not prepared. And then you had Fitzy, who's like, talking about charting every single shot since he was 15. I mean, this is just banana land stuff. And um, and I think that that really worked, right? It, it really works when they toggle between two way different characters. And I, it made me think back to the Spieth and JT episode. And I think that was the problem is they were toggling between two guys that were, you know, there wasn't much difference. If you had put like a Spieth next to a, I, I guess a JT next to Fitz, it might have been a little different. I don't know. But when I think about, and obviously they wanted that Jordan Spieth JT friendship uh, trait, but where the show has really worked well is when you have different characters. And this one was another example of that. You guys, uh, throw this out to you guys. It's my, what I was thinking, just what what worked for me so well with this one and you guys can disagree here or, or agree. I feel like Fitz is the first character in this show who like really changed the dynamic of his career in this, this season. Obviously he's changed the dynamic in his career over the last two plus years. Like we've seen him play well. Uh, we saw him shit the bed at the PGA, but like Joel, Joel Damon, like what, like he's still the mid tier guy Brooks JT added a major, right? But he's still like a top 10 player. He had already been a major winner. It felt like Fitzy was like the first player in this series that like ascended a new stratosphere of resume, of, of career retrospective. When you look, if he didn't have win a major, he, he's in a different category than he is now. And, and they were there this season where the dynamic of his entire career changed. Scheffler, right? Scheffler. I guess I think I think with Fitz, one of the that's things that's a, a that's definitely true. A powerful story about the Fitz is is the fact that he was this phenom. Like the USAM win at age eighteen is something that like a you know potential future superstar does. And I think what is like frankly, he wasn't good enough to be a PGA Tour superstar 
right. despite his young success. And I think that is the fascinating aspect of this is that it was, you know, and I think like more so, and this is where I did feel slightly let down. And this has just been consistent with the, with the show. So I don't know if this is just a, a thing. Like they didn't really talk about like how insane the speed gains were. You know, they, they brushed on it. You know, what are you done? But from one year being so uncompetitive in major championships and big events for his entire career to what 2022 was, was astounding. And I think that story, it, it really worked as a story as is, but adding 10 seconds of color, it, it would take 10 to 15 seconds to explain this would really, I think somebody that was watching the show that doesn't know golf, I think this is a sh- this is an episode where if you know a lot about golf, you really appreciate the episode. But if you don't know much about golf, if you're a general passerby, you don't understand that Matt Fitzpatrick was like kind of a mediocre tour player for the last six years. I I thought they got that enough. Maybe because I know golf. Like they that clip of him out driving DJ with Alex looking is a really emphatic moment of how much he's how far he's come uh when they're together at Brookline. And there's a little section on the range with you know the Azinger clips and all this stuff about speed demon and he's adding speed. But you're you're right. I, I think the one thing for me for Fitz, like I, I thought he was one of the top like if you were to look back at like all NBA or all PGA tour, all all pro golf team, he was one of the five this year just based on consistency and he was not that i would say before this year and never even close i i just remember following him at hazeltine and he was like a fan he was like on the rider cup i mean you got to be good at golf to make the rider cup and it felt like he felt like he did not belong there yet and it was interesting this one ends with rory kind of embracing him and, and of course rory was like an alpha then and he is, still is now and he feels like someone to Joseph's point earlier when he was 40th in the world, just like slowly incrementally working his way up has completely. And I know he's the amateur phenom phenom, but it took a while, right. For him to get to in a lot of work, obviously it, it just feels like someone who has completely changed the dynamic of his career by his own work, his own, his own effort. Yeah. I guess to go off Andy's point a little bit about, for the hardcore fan who's very plugged into the game, this episode did a lot, but maybe not as much for somebody who's new to the game. What I know about Matt Fitzpatrick is that he works harder than pretty much anybody else. And they say that a couple times in there. I don't know that they show it as much as maybe it should have been shown. Can I just, I know that Matt Fitzpatrick. Can I rebut something? I hate that line. He works harder than anybody else. I hate it too, Andy. How does anybody know who works the hardest? I hate I, it too. I, I, if there's one person, honestly, on tour that I might say that about and feel pretty confident, it's Matt Fitzpatrick. He does the speed training stuff week in and week out. It doesn't show a ton of that. It shows him doing it a little bit. But truly, that guy works. I, I think he does outwork pretty much everyone else on tour. I would have liked to see a little bit more of that as opposed to them just saying it. Like I know you can see him out on the range speed training. Maybe a little session there would have been helpful. I agree with you. That's my main point. I agree with you. For the casual fan, I don't know what this episode did for them. I think it was I think it was there. I mean, it fell into their lap because they were following him the week he won a major championship. So like 
I, I don't know if in terms of storytelling or enlightenment on a character, it's just entertaining. They were there, got the footage the week he won a major championship. Um, I don't know that they were there with Scheffler for the Masters. You know, they kind of just talked around that and he narrated it before and after. But they were like at Fitz's house, right? They were with him, it seemed like most of the week, and they got it. It seemed like they were with Fitz a lot this year. But uh, I'd say that's the, that's the nut of this episode for a casual fan. It's like, oh, this is what it's like to be a little bit behind the scenes the week the guy finally wins the major. And And of course, we know that's coming. Like when they're narrating it as he like goes out to the first tee and he's it's uncertainty. So it probably does a little less for us because we know the finish, but uh, that was, I, I guess the probably the main entertain the entertainment factor of that for the casual fan. Should we move on here? I, or edit more fits thoughts. I, I guess the one point to me that hammers home like hard worker is emphatic to me. was his brother not even knowing that the extent to his of his charting his shots, like wait, you chart your range, you 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 document, you log all your shots on the range, like e- even Alex not knowing that, I guess, was sort of a another emphatic moment of like holy shit, like even if his brother doesn't know the extent of this, like there really is a lot going on here that's not seen, and so it's just. It's maybe caricatured, or, or there's just this blanket statement. He's the hardest worker on tour, and and that's what we do. We just cover up all that real good color with that that easy statement. That I love this tip for Alex. Uh, hit, hit the evens on the evens days <laughs> and the odds, uh, and I loved that Alex. You know, it, it it also I think like it did a nice job with DJ and and Fitz, but then also his brother showcasing like how how different personalities can be uh, yeah. when to play great golf. Like there isn't one set type of personality, right? Fitz is on the maniacal focus side of things. And I thought, you know, Fitz was super, super comfortable and confident talking golf. But I did find it really interesting when uh, Dan Rappaport was at the yeah. house. They were talking about dancing and partying. Yeah. And uh, Fitz, guess he got, you could sense he like clammed up, got a little self-conscious. And he said, and he just kind of said under some of us have to practice, you know, like, and I just like, you know, this the thought of cutting loose was kind of crazy to him. Um, in that same, same scene, Thomas Peters was great. Do you remember, I wish I remembered exactly which article this was, but there was an article about how Matt Fitzpatrick let a bachelor party, one of his friends use his house for their bachelor party. And Matt like made sure everyone was in bed by a certain hour or something so he could sleep. Might like he was not participating in all the festivities, which I think is just the way Matt Fitzpatrick is wired and is so true to who he is. So I think that that kind of goes with your point, Andy, that when you're talking about dancing or some of his college experiences, as they were talking about in the episode, like that's probably not his natural state to be talking about that kind of stuff. He's a golfer. Yeah. Well, I, I, and what's fascinating is pairing that person with DJ. Well, totally, totally. I mean, it, there's like a in that scene, the kitchen scene, the PGA, I thought was one of the better scenes of the show that we've gotten it just because it shows it illuminates a lot, like Andy said. But I also thought there was like a pretty like burning motivation that was like evident that was visible on him, like to win. Like I have to win in America. I have to win a PGA Tour event. There's like a generational divide here, certainly between old world Euro Tour players. When he said one win over here equals four over there. And Peters is there for that. Uh, and maybe that was just, you know, half serious, half ton in cheek. 
but like you can tell it's weighing on him and there's like he's like burning up inside about winning on the PGA tour. And I thought like I thought they caricatured the size stuff a little bit too much. Like, yeah, we got it. We we know he's like not this strapping big dude and maybe a the little thing is, nerdy. Rory's Rory's not a big dude. Well, yeah, but but right, but they did but I feel like they couldn't caricature enough just like his entire focus is like trying to win golf tournaments, trying to be better to win golf tournaments. And like, I don't think they could have hammered that enough, but I thought they went a little overboard with like, yeah, we get it. He's not a huge dude. And he is like nerdy to use a, a very kind of loose term. I think, I think part of it is they filmed, they decided which golfers they were going to film and they filmed a bunch of content and had to figure out how to piece it together. Like they decided they were going to do Matt Fitzpatrick and Dustin Johnson, the size thing, kind of revealed itself as an angle they could go with and realistically how much substance was there to go off of beyond that like no, i think that's right. kind of where i landed with this episode is it was a nice episode it's kind of what the standard should probably be for one of these episodes like not amazing not bad just gave you some insight into one of these players and there wasn't that much to glean from it so they maybe had to go a little overboard with like the size because there wasn't a whole lot to go off of do you think they put their thumb on the scale and asked the USGA to pair them together at the open, or they decided to do this episode when they were once they were paired together? I think it probably revealed itself when Fitz won that this was a great uh, uh, because this together. is like you know like effectively the player the type of player Fitz was trying to become all these years was the type was DJ. You know, if you think about like aspirationally if you're a middle of the road PGA tour player, who's not very long, who would uh, not middle of the road? He's not, I, I feel like I've said that twice and I, I have like above average PGA tour player. Who's not, not very long. Who would be the guy that whenever you were paired with that you looked at and thought, man, if I could just do that, it'd probably be DJ. Maybe Rory would be the other guy. I think Fitz had obviously had his like, noted kerfuffle of words with Bryson, you know? So you think about like, these are the types of players that Matt Fitzpatrick, I think was clearly looking at as I need to get to there so that I can compete in major championships. And that was the big story of this year was Matt Fitzpatrick's emergence in multiple major championships. I mean, like he was, he was kind of in the mix at the open too. I thought he had a kind of a really shitty attitude. And that precluded yeah. him from like really being in it. But he was in the mix at the open. He's played well at the Masters like before. Like this is this is a guy now that like with these tools, like he's made himself into one of those players that fits every type of venue. And that was like the players that can do that is rarefied air. And DJ has been the one for the last 12 years that has been that, you know. Yeah, but but what, what would you say the narrative of Matt Fitzpatrick was on June 1st? which I'm glad they showed they set this up with the disaster at the PGA. I, I really think like the narrative attached to Matt Fitzpatrick was like, he can't, he's never won in the Ryder cup. He's mm -hmm. he, I mean, June 1st, you're like, that's how he looks on Sunday at a major on the final group. And then it changed like, and then by like June 20th, you're like, he might be the player of the year because we have that evidence of him contending. And now he's won it. Like that's silly and it's fickle and it's not necessarily all the, the, the most fair way to assess these players and i'm speaking largely of a media tent but it's crazy how fast that changed from say june 1st to june 20th well 
I remember early in the year, he was racking up top tens. Right. And he was, I think he was first in strokes gained total for the PGA Tour. And I kept looking at it like, man, Matt Fitzpatrick first. And then he had that PGA and the Sunday collapse was obviously. But like, yeah, I think this, I mean, this is where I think that the stage was just a little bit, it, it fell short. This episode could have been a lot more powerful with just a little bit. Like, I'm not saying give me two minutes going down. I'm saying give me 15 seconds explaining where this guy came from, you know? And that's the thing is like that year came out of nowhere, you know? And it was, you know, so that's where I felt like it, it just fell short for the average fan. But me knowing this stuff, like I was, I thought it was really super interesting. I didn't realize like, just like I obviously read the stories I knew about the, charting every shot i just didn't realize how intense he was and i think that was one of my big takeaways from it was just the the intensity and the drive yeah that that's that's what i think the for me the story of matt fitzpatrick if that was some people's narrative entering june 2nd 2022 that he hasn't succeeded in rider cups etc like i i think for people who like look at some of the stats and like that's not the narrative. But the he had never won on the PGA Patrick. Tour. Never even won in sure, the United sure. States. I know that. Let's I, I hear you, but I think Ryder Cups, he was just he just getting blown out to sea. But I, I think for me, the story of Matt Fitzpatrick is steady progress. Like when I think of Matt Fitzpatrick, that is what comes to mind. It's somebody who maybe didn't have all the physical gifts that everyone else had, but he has steadily climbed his entire career. Yeah. And he was 40th in the world four or five years ago. Right now, he's 10th. And that guy will do anything to get to number one. And that's the part that I think people should take away. He was my favorite player last year. He was, I loved that guy. I thought he was maybe the best player in the world. I mean, within that capsule of whatever, three months there where he just kept going. I know Scheffler tailed off, then Rory came. I, he was my favorite player to watch. Um, anything about the U.S. Open now we're, that we're doing fits? We'll get to DJ here in a second. Do you feel like they did too much of the blow-by-blow? Blow? I feel like they... It felt like they were there and had the winner behind the scenes. So they really told the story of Zalatoris up to down, you know, like it was the most intensive golf scenes play by play that we've gotten in this show. Did you like the U.S. Open footage to call back? I think it was I, if you're you know, there was two championships that stood out, you know, above the rest last year. And the Open and the U.S. Open were the two big championships that were I mean, extraordinary. Those you hope for one of those every couple of years type finish. And we got two of them in the same year. So I don't have any problem with it because it was, I mean, the one thing that wasn't like they didn't show Scheffler kind of like because Chef, it looks, it felt like Scheffler was going to win for a little while and he tailed off. Right. So that was the one thing they didn't show. But that Zalatoris Fitz duel was on that back nine was, was really extraordinary. I really loved um, how they cut the audio of the fans giving them shit in. I thought that like it made me feel a little something about like he gets shit because he wears Skechers and he's like, you know, a little guy like, you know, the guy, a guy calling him. I, I can't remember exactly. Maddie, Maddie, something like, you know. And then he Skechers, maybe he's Skechers. Maddie boy Skechers. Or, Maddie yeah, Skechers. Maddie Skechers. Yeah, I, that, I thought that was yeah powerful, I guess. Uh, but. 
that could have been some smoke like cloak and dagger like production value like they, they make it seem like matt fitzpatch because they've zoomed in on him like they could have picked up that audio anywhere just walking like 500 yards away i don't know that fitzpatrick is hearing that uh, i think it was the 11th green maybe do you know what i'm saying that could have been yeah. a production trick which i thought it was cool it, it like hammered home the point for like what was being said maybe on the ground but they also portray it as if Fitzpatrick is hearing all this while he's waiting to putt, which I just don't think was probably the case. It still is good for the show. All right. Uh, let's talk about our friends at bdratty.com. They are supporting this podcast, supporting Full Swing Thoughts, uh, and also offering listeners a discount of TFE 25. Bought 25% in on an off. idea. That's the best part about it. You know, hey, we well, got they bought in on the idea. fried egg idea from the start, right? One yeah. of your earliest sponsors as they've grown. We've grown. It's kind of been a nice story together. You've grown. Uh, you were there the earliest days. I came aboard late. But yeah, they bought in on this idea. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a great partnership for a long time. And why we partner with them is they have awesome stuff. Uh, Beatratty in particular, their polos are second to none. One of the things they were late in the game for the B, uh, for the sport line going to that tech fabric. Obviously, they have their classic uh, cotton polos, Peruvian Pima cotton that made them famous. Also, T-shirts. The Dewey T-shirt is a good one um, yeah. for just, Little you know, pocket guy ni- there. Yeah. yeah, like it's a, nice to have a nice T-shirt and they're nice T-shirts. But the polos, one of the things I, I love about them was the methodical approach to doing sport. And what it ended up being is like I... I've tried a lot of the other sports and like whether they were advertiser or not. And obviously you can, uh, they're an advertiser, but I think that their, their, their fabric for sport is unmatched. It's like, it feels very much like a cotton shirt, not like your typical tech fabric. And that's the thing that I think they nailed with that. It took them years to do. I mean, I remember they were late in the game for a reason, right? Yeah. Because they wanted to make it as, as, close to their regular cotton shirt as possible in terms of feel but it has all the benefits of that moisture wicking tech fabric uh the jack polo is a really good one it's a nice thin stripe captain uh, jack polo captain I jack think. polo yeah, yeah. um and it also has sun protection so that's another nice thing it's going to protect you from the sun i highly recommend their sport line i hear a lot of people like that are in maybe the southeast they're like you know it's just too hot here for the regular dratty. I'm like, have you tried the sport? And most of them are like, no, I haven't. I'm like, that will be, you know, your favorite sport shirt. So 25% off using the promo code TFE25 at bdratty.com. To, to your question, Brendan, like, did they overdo the shot by shot? I don't think they overdid it. But one point that I had written down, and I'd be interested in your guys' take on this. I do think that the cadence of a golf tournament and how long it is, is right and like is kind of the the beauty of golf and like Thursday Friday like you're kind of seeing who's around how it's going to develop Saturday you kind of see who hangs Sunday championship Sunday you see who wins like that's when all the pressure is on the show doesn't really capture that and so I hope for newcomers to the sport they aren't turned off a little bit by the lack of intensity on the Netflix show because when you're watching the golf tournament it feels far more intense than what's displayed on the Netflix show. And I do think that it does about the back nine Sunday. Like, are you saying like, or or just in general from, yeah, I don't think when you're watching the Netflix show, you, you feel like 
you felt if you were watching that live by any means. And I do think that that's the beauty of a 72 hole tournament. It's because there isn't a time. I think that's the thing is like, it's similar. Golf is similar to baseball, right? Where it's a slow game, like regular season complaints. It's a slow game early round. You know, this is slow. But then when you get down and it's close down the stretch, that that pace between shots, the time between shots just weighs. It's like watching a, a kicker attempt a field goal and having to wait when it's, you know, a last second field goal. Right. That's the thing that golf does. I agree. And it's it's because I think they're they're trying to jam these shots in quick. Tell the story. It was the the moments. I mean, I'll. I'll I was standing on what the thirteenth fairway when yeah. uh when when Fitz made that bomb. Yep. And then and then I then there's the everybody goes nuts and I I remember the fifty seconds and then Zal Torres made it on top of him. It was incredible. Yeah. That. Yeah, I guess that's my point is like, do I think they overdid the play by play? No, I don't think they overdid it. I also don't think it works that well either. It doesn't actually capture maybe what it means to be a golf fan in I just don't think a Netflix show can. So I hope that people who are new to the sport don't get turned off by the lack of intensity because it is an extremely intense sport. I thought there was some tension on 18 when he was in the bunker. Like there was like real, like if you hadn't, if you didn't know, obviously we all know what happened. So that dulls it a little bit. I suppose if you didn't know how this all goes, you have your doubts, but, or, or you just know nothing about golf and maybe you don't appreciate that. That could be a hard shot too. So fair point. Uh, I, it was a good, I thought it was a good t- storytelling uh, of Fitzy. I, I just, you know, they're there Sunday morning, right? In his house. I, I just, I, I don't know. He's just a normal family, right? This is guy, he's like, my mom was, a, or my dad was a corporate bank manager. My mom did this. And, you know, he probably could have just been an insurance salesman. He could have been anything. And he just has this skill and his work ethic that this is what I'm going to do, right? It's just a pretty normal, I don't want to say relatable at all, but he didn't have like, the PGA pro dad, like JT, right. Or, or I don't know the South Florida upbringing of Brooksy, whatever it is. Uh, it, he just went, it, it was kind of a normal upbringing. And then he went and just got it with, with his work. I have to say that one big disappointment was not showing Fitz going back to his alma mater's campus and, no. and, uh, you know, going back to Northwestern. <laughs> I didn't know that, Illinois and Northwestern people fraternize so well, like them sitting at the kitchen table there, a kitchen counter with, with Peters and, and Fitzy, the battle of Illinois, the rivalry. I thought, <laughs> uh, I just didn't know that they sat down at the same table like that broke bread. but uh, on, on the family thing. I did. Yeah. I did think it came across really well. How invested his family was in that tournament, like the agony that his dad had on the three putt on number 11 and then like him jumping for joy on some of the other made putts. Like I I think that was really effective in the brother brother relationship. I felt something during that. So I I do think it captured the normalcy of his family. I guess where I think it fell short and not necessarily fell short, but the episode was fine. It's just that there wasn't that much to go off of. It's like a nice genuine dude achieves his dreams in a, a way that was pretty non-flashy in this in the series. It was flashy when you're watching it live, but yeah, maybe less so in this episode. All right, DJ, DJ, yep. other main character. Uh, it starts with him joining Live. Basically, this is he's joined Live. It, there's really nothing about whatever he had done to that season. Nothing about Riviera. You know, when he walked it back there, uh, it starts. He's joined Live. They have footage of him and Live London. 
They have footage of him at his dinner table in Florida talking about Live London, and then it's off to the U.S. Open. That footage, you know, him shooting basketball, basketball with his family and friends. But like, it starts the DJ story arc starts with him joining Live. There's a retrospective, which I thought was kind of cool, with like there's a rap music yeah. about when he appeared on the scene. What was interesting to me was thinking back then as like a golf fan in 06, 07, and how much of a unicorn he felt like hitting the ball where he hit it. And now it's like, of course, we know he's a big hitter, but it's also like, that's just how like almost all of the top players are. Like thinking back to DJ, that was like, he was a true unicorn guy. Like, I'm not saying there weren't guys hitting it as far as him, but very few and very few that were actually top rated players. And now he's like a big hitter, but he's also just another big hitter. This is the character that had the stage set best for him in terms With of like that, type of player they were, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought that was a cool retrospective going back to his first win. Do you agree with that, Joseph, about like the unicorn part and how the, I mean, more, it says more about the development of the tour. I, I do agree with you. And I agree with Andy that DJ came across very well. I'm a pretty adamant Dustin Johnson supporter. Like, okay. I think with DJ, he's always himself. And he is going to come across well in a setting like this. And that's yes. the benefit of being yourself all the time. He's the same when the camera's on him and when the camera isn't. Like, I have a ton of notes on DJ. Same. I think he's a little bit misunderstood often. And I have, I have a ton of respect for him. I think he, he came through very well, like you're saying. He came through awesome in this. I Also, one point to, to not changing or being himself. He says, I don't feel like I'm any different than I am now. And they're talking about at the start of his career. It's like just my resume has built up and I just don't feel like I'm any different. Um, so let's hit on the mage storyline of him going to live. Uh, I think it's fair to say DJ's caught the least amount of shit of big name players that have gone to live. He's been the least, I don't know, litigious confrontational. He is quite praiseworthy of the PGA tour in this episode. He's like, I love the PGA tour. Um, it's I've had a wonderful career. I'm very proud of it and always will be. I'm just taking a different step. Um, I'm grateful for the PGA Tour. He said it's not up to me. I don't know what that was in reference to, like maybe just fighting or being banned. He goes, hopefully one day we can coexist nicely. Um, and then he, he gives his reasons. It just came down to the offer they made me. It was playing less and making more money. It's pretty simple. And he's just got his hands up. Well, it's, it's simple. Playing less, making more money. Yeah, and, he and then you an went analogy, on to say every everybody would do it, but they didn't. You know? Like, like there are world class players that did not. So, yeah, I mean that analogy fell apart specific to golf. I think it's a pretty apt analogy for most everyone else in the world because we t- we would take more money to work less, but it just it it doesn't necessarily work in terms of the live decision because there were a lot of guys that didn't do that probably for more money. Justin Thomas, Jordan, you know, there's plenty of guys who did it, but he's very straightforward about it. And he's not, he's not, I don't know, confrontational about, he's not pissy about anything. Whereas I think a lot of these guys snipe about stuff and, and DJ, I think probably thinks some of the consequences are bullshit, but he's not at least chirping about it constantly. Is that fair? I think that's fair. One one note I had was, at, when they're at the dinner table talking about his decision to go to live, 
Yeah. Somebody asks about the first Live London event and he immediately turns to Paulina and he's like, how was your flight? Like Dustin does not care. He doesn't care about how the first Live event does. I don't think he's that invested in Live's success. Yeah. He got a huge check. He doesn't really care. He's He even said, I have nothing left to prove. He feels like he's cemented his legacy. Yeah. It's hard like it's hard to disagree with his perspective on any of this. Like that's, I've never thought Dustin Johnson was slimy for going same with a lot of other players. Like do you, man, I don't really care. And he doesn't either. Like it's pretty much that simple for me. Did you feel this was much more illustrative than the Poulter episode of like why a guy would go to live or no? Like we got to the heart of, I guess why Poulter went, but this felt like it was much, uh, I don't know, meteor, more substantive. I think, I think DJ tries to be less cheeky about it. Like yeah. Ian almost pretends like he's got this wry grin on his face when he's like, I don't know, maybe I'm going like, right. just say you're going. And DJ is the the kind of guy that will just say that he's going. So I think that's why he comes across better. And he's far better player than Ian Poulter could ever dream of being, <laughs> which is evident. Right. One thing I took away that I, I guess like, you know, you, you would assume this and I think it gets, it's you know the, everybody always makes fun of Dustin Johnson for being dumb, you yeah. know, and it's not right. fair. I'll tell you what, I don't know if I've ever come across from like a, in an interview being like, "Holy shit, that guy's got more confidence than anybody out there." He kind of reminds me of like, you know, your all-time great quarterback, where he just like, I mean, he's like, I, even if I'm not prepared, I'll win. You know, like I, I think I'm gonna win. It's like, oh, people can doubt me. I, I'm not worried about it. Like, you know, like that is one of the things like I think like for, when you think about like the insights of, of a into a, you know, he's an, this jet, one of this generation's greatest players. Um, he's it's him and Rory, really. Um, and when you think about like him, it's just like, holy shit. Talk about supreme confidence. I don't like Rory. And him, confidence-wise, are in, I feel like you know I feel like Rory right now has, is riding a lot of confidence, but I don't think DJ ever loses any confidence, and it kind of shows in how consistent he's been his entire career. Like DJ's lows have not been very low. I, you know, obviously there's been some personal lows in there that have been low, but like not like playing-wise. Like there have been very few times where he's like, "Oh, what's wrong with DJ?" I think one of the moments of the past 10 years, multiple of the moments of the last 10 years that I will, that will stick with me most are of Dustin Johnson. One of them is the 2015 U S open at chambers Bay when he misses a really short putt to go to a playoff hole. The way he shook that off, I will never forget. And that's the way Dustin Johnson is wired. He lets things roll off his back like nobody else on tour. Also though, when he wins the masters in 2020, the, the fall masters and he's crying on the green it's like there's a little more depth to dustin johnson he really does care like the guy works his tail off and i think that those i i, I just think that a lot of the narratives around dustin johnson are unfair painting him as dumb when i think he might have one of the best mentalities in terms of letting things roll off his back having the memory of a goldfish as john rom likes to quote from ted lasso Dustin Johnson has that. So I have a lot of respect for him and I appreciate his candor. You might have been too young to remember whistling straight. I remember whistling straight. But about 16 when he's told uh, maybe it's a penalty, maybe it's not. The ball moved, maybe it didn't move, right? I mean, it's kind of how many guys just sort of go and like 
nut up right over the last whatever that was 12 holes um, and that kind of goes back to what you're saying about him accepting the consequences of his decision to go to live. Like he's always accepted the consequences of every action that he's taken, whether it's fair or not on the golf course. You know what I just thought of? Dustin Johnson's kind of had like a Greg Norman type career. Got two, <laughs> like two majors should have had way more, you know, way different. Yeah, that's like, always di- yeah. Didn't best choke. player of a decade. Like yeah. they say about Norman, even though Felda won more, maybe. Yeah, and it's just ironic that he joined Norman at Live, right? <laughs> what, you, Joseph? You were talking about a little bit about I don't know what motivates him and, and really like the narrative around him not being fair. I thought like the family stuff was pretty powerful in this, and I'm not talking about necessarily the Paulina part, but like the kids part. And I, 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 I can't say like a ton here, but like I have a little bit of insight from someone who's known him for a long time, um, like in junior golf all the way up and still kind of knows him. And like, it does sound like he's entirely motivated by his kids. And I know that's a lot of people, but in a, in a very unique way where like the, the situation he came from was a little like kind of tumultuous. Right. And, and I think it informs and motivates who he is now that he's not, he wants to be a little different maybe than whatever, however he came up. And he says, this stuff really matter of factly, like they're special kids, that's for sure. And it's it's a very basic thing, but like the way he says it and delivers it is not like he's not going out of his way. It's not a cliche. And Paulina, you know, I feel like I'd, I've never really heard Paulina talk. I'm not, I guess, seeking that out a lot. It was interesting to hear her perspective. You know, obviously you see pictures and she's on the green side and following, but I hadn't heard her talk a lot. I certainly had heard her talk a lot about Dustin, but she had the quote, like he would never make a bad decision for his kids. This is who he chose this for. And it really does feel like he wants a hundred million dollars in his bank account, not to get like a bigger boat, but to know that his kids can get whatever boat they want and to know like that, that his kids, kids will be taken care of. And I know that's not a totally unique motivation, but I think just based on where he came from and how he came up, um, it's especially powerful for him and it made this decision even easier. Like this is all driven by his kids. And I'm not trying to excuse like the for my family live talking point, but I think for Dustin, that is really the the animating and driving force in this decision. And with that, I think one of the most fascinating questions I've had is like, what is Dustin Johnson's mentality? Like what is he motivated by? Because I, I always wonder if there's a lot more competitive fire there than he lets on to. And Paulina kind of lets into that a little bit. Yeah. And she says, like, he'll show you. Like, there's if, a quote here anyone, that's a little odd. That he, let, here, let me read it. And then you could, if anyone thinks Dustin has lost his competitive spirit, they don't, don't, they don't know Dustin well enough because he is ready to still show you who the fuck he is. That's Paulina. And that's, like, him crying on the green of the Masters, like... I do wonder if Dustin Johnson is actually deep down super motivated to play golf and he wants to go out there and show people. I honestly don't know. And that's what's fascinating to me about the next 18, 24 months, the end of his career over the next four or five years. Like, I want to see that. Year, years ago, I had heard from somebody and and I I've said this before on, on pods, but I had heard because he's an Adidas athlete and Kobe was, right? Is that this is the myth is that Adidas... Gave a like a competitive a test of comp- yeah. that tests your competitiveness, and they and the the lore was that DJ scored higher than Kobe, 
Yeah, it was like also an aptitude test. I think it was not just competitiveness, but like also he's actually like one of the most brilliant athletes in Adidas's stable or was ever taking that test. Yeah. One one note on that. There was like a No Laying Up podcast like five years ago that Danielle Kang went on and she talked about, do you remember when they played the US Open at Pinehurst and the men's and the women's was back to back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess she and... DJ have a relationship. And so she called Dustin and asked for tips on the course. And he went through hole by hole, all the pin locations, everywhere you might want to miss. He knew it all down to a T. And that is not surprising about Dustin. It's it's not fair to paint him as an idiot. He's not an idiot. He's a has a great mind for a golfer. And he just says it in simple terms. I think he also has has got his own little game with with journalists at this point. Well, that's like that's developed he's, over he's years. He's up there. I know. Yeah. I know. He's up there just like he's just playing a game up there. Like I think that's like the other thing that's going on with like I, I there was so much more authenticity in this in these interviews with DJ than he ever shows in a press conference. And I think it's because DJ is looking at people that have portrayed him as an idiot for years. Like, why would you give somebody respect when they haven't given you the respect back? Well, and that's that's an ongoing theme, I think, in sports right now anyway, right? With Naomi Osaka, like, do I need to answer questions for these journalists? Like, there's a lot of athletes who are sort of trying to remove themselves from that situation. And I, I do think not that the questions are unfair, but Dustin has to sit up there and answer a lot of the same questions over and over again. Probably just gets tired of it. He's done it for 20 years. And I think he just has pretty, he's very confident and has pretty simple explanations, simple terms yeah. for why. He's like, you know, he tells Paulina, yeah, I played better today than I did yesterday. It was just five shots worse uh, on the second US Open, the second round, I think it was. And they talk about him going ahead to, to the to Brookline. He goes, yeah, I just got to play four good rounds. I know how to do it. And I think like that's really how he thinks about this thing and that the journalists want more. They want to hear this, you know, speed elucidation on whatever else. And so that leads to Andy's, you know, kind of point about the game and, and sort of the, the backlash to that. Anything else on DJ while we're here? It was, you could tell why like, He's taking the least amount of shit from his peers. Why the why Spieth is talking about, I miss him so much. I wish he was still out here. Why you see Rory still fraternizing with him for whatever tailor-made shoots and things like that. It's a good portrayal of Dustin Johnson. No? I think everybody loves DJ. I think that's the thing. Is like, I don't think... I th- he's so himself. Like, I don't... I Well, I, I can think of a few people that probably don't love DJ, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that that hasn't happened for a few years but yeah but i think uh i think from the sense of i like you know i think that's the thing is like he he is a uh he's a, he's got i think he's got one of those personalities like that's a guy that you want to have a beer with you know uh notes i guess it- go ahead yeah, I, I, well, the only thing I was going to say, like this episode just didn't pop to me that much. And I think part of it is that these are both simple people. They're very transparent about what they're about, Matt Fitzpatrick and DJ. And there's not like, it's not to say that there's not a lot of depth to them. I just think we knew who they were if you're a golf fan. And the episode kind of revealed exactly who they were. So this episode, I don't think it was bad. It just didn't do a lot for me. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was a good, I thought, I, I mean, I think like the telling two stories, like the dichotomy between the two, I did think they caricatured the size difference a little bit too much, but 
it worked for me just because I felt like I learned, like I saw who they really were. And maybe for you, like you said, it's like not interesting enough, but, uh, or they're simple enough, but I, I, it really worked for me. I thought it was a good episode. And, and part of that maybe because the U S open, I have like fond memories of that too. Like I thought that was one of the championships of the year, but it worked for me. Let's hit notes. One note I have is, uh, I, you know, this episode illuminated just how much of a through line, you know, I think whenever, when the show came out, everybody was like, oh my God, master's footage, Augusta, but the position of the PGA has created it to be this like through line for all, so many of these stories. I feel like the PGA is like anchored into like every episode. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy how much the PGA is shown because you have JT you obviously have the uh, who else was it? Fitzy. Fitz, you have Fitz Poulter's uh, there. They yeah. have a lot of Poulter po- footage at the PGA. There's just a ton of PGA footage. I thought Fitz's setup in Jupiter was pretty Spartan. So he's going to this basic like strip mall gym, like nothing, no fancy Joey D, no fancy home gym. It's like a strip mall gym, I think it looked like. He's got like his home looks more like a condo or townhome with like shares a driveway. He's got the basic couch with the Venetian blinds, a magnet whiteboard on his fridge like I do with my kids schedules. <laughs> and it's just like I'm at the Memorial this week. I'm at the US Open this week. It just seemed like talking about the simple life or the, he is who he like is Jupiter. It just seemed pretty basic compared to like the Brooks and DJ setups. And I'm not saying he's that earner yet, but it was a very sort of straightforward. Hey, well, it hasn't been a bad earner. That's the no, thing. He's no, had like no, a bigger, no. He's had pretty good earnings in his career. But I think he just wants to go. If I have a couch and I have a car and I have a, you know, I can just go practice. The only thing that matters to him is golf. Yeah. Yeah. Another note I had was where's Zelatoris? Like maybe yeah. they just weren't with him this week. I thought he would agree to this show, right? They just, I, I don't know. I have, I, it's surprising. Could be the luck of the draw. They weren't with him or they weren't behind it. And they just didn't really tell much of that story because obviously he had the PGA heartbreak. And then he had this, the putt sliding on the edge. It felt like it would have been a good story. Maybe he didn't agree. I thought he had though, uh, agreed to partake. You mentioned the Boston heckles that led to me wondering like production product production tricks about like that audio matched up. Is he actually hearing that? Is he actually listening to these podcasts in his car or are they just playing yeah. the podcast? No way. I don't think so. Right. I had the same question. I don't think that worked that well. Uh, yeah. I thought it, I thought it worked with the no laying up one with Joel, uh, Joel uh, Damon yeah. and in the previous episode. It felt like he was listening to that. Like it, it, cause I feel like he smiled, but I'm not, I, this one, I mean, who was that even? I couldn't even, I didn't even was, know who uh, that was. First cut. Rick okay. Gaiman, I think okay. I just, I, I don't know like what's production was cause I was there at some of those press conferences and they're cutting in answers. They're, they'll say the question that's more dramatic and then like they'll cut to Phil's answer. But like, that wasn't how he answered that question that you just showed. Like they're out of order. For storytelling. So, like, I wonder, is he actually even watching the U.S. Open at home on the couch uh, in that Boston rental home? Like, they, like you don't know where the audio is matching up with the actual scene. And that has more to do with the heckles and the podcast. Go ahead, Joseph. Any notes you had or cleanup you, you want? I mean, I just love the what Fitzpatrick's attitude and the self-deprecation. Like, when Rappaport says, 
he's writing a story about Fitzpatrick that he's going to shit the shit bed tomorrow. The he's never won before on tour. And Fitzpatrick starts laughing. Like, I just, I just love the way Fitzpatrick kind of cackles at different things that are being said throughout the episode. He's just a down-to-earth guy. Like, the fact that Rappaport knew he could say that around Fitzpatrick the day before the final round of the yeah. U.S. Open and know that Fitzpatrick was going to think it was funny. Like, I just liked that. And him letting Rappaport into his house and being like, you got here just in time to be on Netflix, like breaking that wall down and, and being amusing himself. Like he's just hard not to root for. I agree. Totally. Uh, maybe, maybe the other note, like I loved the scene of his dad just standing there. Fitzpatrick's dad's shaking his head in disbelief when Matt won in a Boston Red Sox hat, despite like not being from Boston. <laughs> I, it's just, they're just so easy to root for the Fitzpatrick's. And I'm just so happy for Matt Fitzpatrick when he won. Like he, he's just an awesome guy that grinds and he got it done. Yeah. Who would, who would have guessed the data boy loves the data boy. The <laughs> That's not even like a data driven. It's just, just yeah. yeah. I'm with, yes, there is some of that. Right. But like Matt Fitzpatrick just works. He's got that quote in his house when he's back in Sheffield. It's like, it just gives me very black and white, like what I need data. Speaking of data, it's very black and white of how I'm improving, how I'm not, and what I need. To did do. you did you see his reaction when Zell Torres missed the putt? Billy Foster yeah. went nuts. And kind of. And Fitz Fitz was just kind of like like just standing there, like, you I know, mean, just like he was like looking around. It was it was interesting. I found it like I, it kind of just felt like he expected to win. That I I think that that he was just like, yeah, I'm gonna win this. I think part of that is, and this was one thing I had. I didn't want to necessarily get super into this as as a stats person, but I think when you've trained yourself that way, as Matt Fitzpatrick has, right? He's charted all of his shots. It just trains you to like, what are expectations? Like Zalatoris, is he gonna make this putt? I don't know, twenty percent chance. And when he misses it, you just kind you have a little bit of a robotic reaction to that yeah and i think part of what being data driven does help you with is it it helps you know that you've checked all the boxes when you're going into an event and so sure are there insights that matt fitzpatrick draws from his data absolutely there's value in that but i think there's a mental edge that i've done all the preparation i can and i can accept the results and i think andy what you're saying with him just having a muted reaction to winning is actually a byproduct of being data driven and like if i do the right things the rest is out of my hands kind of like scotty scheffler that we talked about a few episodes ago so his reaction doesn't shock me other notes the bonnie verison at the end of the i mean that hosier i think is that how you pronounce him at the end of the pga i can't again the pga like i don't remember the masters the masters like has to be looking at the pga like holy shit they're in like every single episode um u.s opens in at least two or three right obviously damon in this one um pga's in everyone and and like the music choices at the end that these the big two majors that they've shown so far pga and and us open is kind of amusing joseph you shook your head brennan you might you might need to check your um as a hosier fan here i think you might need to check yourself on that for pga i don't i don't think that was a hosier song oh i thought i talked to somebody and confirmed that i thought it was Maybe I'm maybe I'm I think it was with his dad and he's uh, bent I, over. Gonna, they probably should have gone take him to church or whatever no, that song no, from years ago. LeBron's, that's LeBron's song. Uh, <laughs> maybe this was a new release and I'm on a matter. I think I thought it was. I thought I confirmed that before talking. Um, 
Anything else? How about Rappaport saying he's more serious than the older British guys? I think that's I mean, true. I mean, the Faldo? older British guys. The older Faldo, British not guys, that yeah, generation Faldo. he's talking about? Or he's talking about I think he's talking, he's talking about Westy, who okay. probably just drowning himself in the with some pints like he did after that uh, wing foot. Uh, Rory's presence was notable on 18. That was a note. Like we yeah. saw that live, but I, I, one thing I caught that I didn't see that week was he also went to Zalatoris and gave him like this big hug and high handshake. This was from like a big tower shot. I don't know. Rory's just like the, he's like the prince. I, I it's crazy. You know, he's he's like this father figure to all these guys, and he's also the number one player in the world. He's doing it to Zalatoris, and then of, of course to Fitz, who he has a bit of a, a Ryder Cup past with. Uh, anything else you guys got from this episode? Good. I thought it was a good episode. Do we want to do grades or anything like that? I, I worked for me. I'll give it a B plus. Solid. Gotta, Joseph didn't sound as kind. What about you? Yeah, I think I'd I think I'd give it a B. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't have a problem with it. It was it was fine. You thought the Damon episode was better than this one, both of you guys? Way better. I did for sure. Okay. Interesting. Like di- completely different, different. worlds. Yep. Well, okay. just like, yeah. Like the Damon episode achieved everything that an episode should strive for. I think a non-golf fan is is drawn into the game when they watch the Damon episode. I don't know that they watch the Fitzpatrick DJ episode and think to themselves, like, you know what? I want to start following that, that guy's career. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was better for, for people who were, know their stories a little bit more and, and got more revelations into their inside, uh, you know, who they are. All right. That does it. Episode five, full swing thoughts. We'll be back. Episode six. Thank you all for listening.